I, uh, you know, every week when I listen to our podcast back, I just, I feel like I'm turning into my father and that embarrasses me. And I, I can't accept the ways that that shows up in me and also whole slew of mental illnesses uh, that are just undiagnosed and untreated. And I just want a bunch of cool, rich, indie Rocky Horror fans to like me. And most importantly, I feel like I can sing Memory from Cats really well, but I haven't found someone who can just encourage me in that, you know? Like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is... All of these things are hard for me to accept about myself. Like, is is there going to be some sort of Jack Black figure that teaches me lessons? Or do we just go through life like this? Well, Denny, I'm here to tell you that on top of all of those things, you're also a pretty big dude. But... <laughs> you, sure, you should really love yourself a little bit better, buddy. <sighs> I think you've got a lot going for you. You've got a strong personality, you're exciting, you're engaging, you're a good podcaster, and you've got good takes on movies, and we have a lot of fun together. And I just have one important question for you. What? What's your favorite possum? Greg. Mm hmm My young Padawan, my grasshopper, you have studied me until you did what I could not. You have become the therapist. I did it. <laughs> His license is mine now. I have to surrender it, Greg. You now have a license <laughs> to feel. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good movie. License to feel. James Bond has a license to kill, but I have an even cooler license. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome cooler, to Movies yeah. for When. That's a big and scene from the podcast, boys. How's it going, everyone? Like you could respond, uh, say it, say it in your car right now. How are you? How are you? Solitude. I can't hear you. Uh, <laughs> uh, very Dora, the Explorer vibes. Oh uh, yeah, welcome back everybody. Uh, sorry for the delay last week. We've got a lot going on. We actually just finished recording our first Patreon episode. Yeah. We announced the Patreon in the last episode, so. By the time this comes out, that'll be ready for you to subscribe to. We'll be posting all about it, and we've got a nice little show where Denny and I discuss the other things that we watch that we don't cover on this episode. And we've also got a few uh, questions that we got answered. It yes, was a pretty good time that just ended a few minutes ago, if I do say so myself. I'm already reminiscing about it, Greg. That's how good of a time it was. Exactly. All right. Um, so that... That show is about the other things we watched, but we had an assignment this week. We had to pick three movies for when you want to accept yourself. We've got self-acceptance movies. Denny, what are our movies for this week? We will be doing the audience pick, a goofy movie. We'll be doing Gregory's pick, School of Rock, not to be confused with the neon sign at the beginning of the movie that refers to it as the School of Rock. And, of nice. course, my pick the perks of being a wallflower we've got one a one no preposition and one v for you this week we got all kinds of syntax in our movie titles <laughs> it's a double episode where we cover all kinds of syntax too this is what yeah. the people really want <laughs> <laughs> this is for um, the, the english teachers in the crowd the colby shelton's of the world <laughs> <laughs> loser hey uh, i know we last love night and watched wrestling with me oh i love that guy yeah 
Alright, well, first things first, we're going to be discussing our audience selection. That was a probably the biggest voter turnout we've had. I think the, the second one. most. Most votes we've ever yeah. gotten. 95 or so? 93. 93, yeah. yeah. People wanted to... <laughs> they wanted a lot of things. I really wanted 8th grade or books. No, that was last week. The last couple episodes are really... This one was... Legally Blonde was in heavy contention. Oh, that's right. And I was really hoping it didn't win because I've got a feeling it's not going to be for me. Not to be ignorant, but uh, uh, I don't think I'm going to like it. Denny is neither legal nor blonde. But no. we are discussing the winner. Thanks, everybody, for voting. It's a Goofy movie from 1995. You can watch this movie on Disney Plus because, you know, Goofy is a Disney property. Is he a cat? Is he a dog? Stand by me doesn't know. <laughs> neither do we decades old debate denny you seen goofy movie before I feel oh like you dude have. yeah this was uh this was a vhs we had at my grandma's house so it was watched a lot um definitely one of my favorites from childhood growing up and it was it was hard to come by for a while because an extremely goofy movie was always on netflix but a goofy movie never oh, was yeah. um no, and I've watched it several times in my adult life, um, where I developed some criticisms of the third act, Greg, that we're going to get into. I've watched it with a more Please. critical eye. <laughs> but I, I don't have too much to say about this one. I'm looking forward to your critiques, though. Is this your first time seeing it? Do you have a relationship no, with the Goofy movie? I watched it a few times as a kid. I haven't seen it in probably 20 years, though. Uh, but oh, okay. I, I did watch it a few times growing up. I don't remember a whole, whole lot about it. But there were certain parts where I was like, this is where he says to go left on the highway. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I remember the perfect cast and all yeah. that. Yeah. The perfect cast. Get ready for a lot of impressions. I'm so <laughs> ready for your goofy. All right. Uh, let's uh, huck our way into uh, some notes here, Denny. What do you, you got to say about this one? Well... I think there's only one thing to open with, and it's what everybody's talking about, what everybody wants to know about, Greg. What are the canonical implications of Goofy knowing who Walt Disney is? <laughs> <laughs> what, do, what world does that build? This movie's ahead of its time in terms of, like, self-aware meta, like, IP awareness. It's yeah. super weird. The implications, I feel like, there's a reason that this is the only movie to do this. That's because that's that's way too. If you know that, you know too much. That's why we never. All the goofies we see after this are different goofies. Yeah. They're body doubles. <laughs> they never last for long. <laughs> like is this he goofy like, was fired. My theory is that like he is a character who would be diagnosed as schizophrenic but is not actually schizophrenic that he has found some inner peace and that like goofy is the way he is because he has convened with god um the god of this universe is walt disney and goofy has <laughs> met him uh goofy uh, is he can't go back to normal life after after a spiritual experience like that and uh mm -hmm. But that's why he's always so self-satisfied, because he's found the peace of the Tao. Um, he's able to fully feel and fully accept himself, which is what this episode's all about. But he's also very lonely in this, because the other characters don't understand him, because they have not had this uh, 
this this experience of true mindfulness and limitlessness that comes from uh, detachment and mindfulness in the Buddhist tradition that I'm sure Goofy follows. I didn't like the songs very much. <laughs> um, Not, you, didn't, you didn't like the songs very much? I don't really remember. I thought they were actually pretty good. I just wanted to have a... <laughs> <laughs> jarring reaction to your very deep philosophical take there and i didn't know how to i didn't know a, how to respond it was beautiful no notes perfect thank you it was a jumbled mess of contradictory philosophies put together it wasn't an <laughs> i just made it sound a little nicer but it was just me talking out of my ass using some buzzwords <laughs> welcome to our podcast uh, first time here yeah man i don't know this is our first time seeing Max, right? So this is our first time knowing that Goofy has a kid. No, because he's in he's in Goof Troop, which this is. Okay. Uh, it's it's unclear if this is like part of the Goof Troop canon or if this is supposed to be like a similar universe. I don't think they thought about stuff like this back then um, because. Nope. <laughs> I I know that Disney like killed everything they released an official statement on max's mom and they were like well the answer to your question is max doesn't have a mom because he was a cartoon character written without one so they're just there is no exciting answer he has never had a mom in development it just doesn't exist and it's like yeah i don't think that's the answer people were really looking for disney like we fucking know that like what <laughs> give kinda, us a story <laughs> personally i really like that answer <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i think that's a great great answer not everything needs a fucking dossier yeah. so <laughs> just accept it and move on i guess don't tell the, that to uh, wiki fan <laughs> i sure won't it's it's goofy guys yeah it's a character whose name is goofy do we have to take it this seriously <laughs> he evolved from a character named dippy dog <laughs> 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 oh man uh, i gotta say man this is something that uh my wife and i were really upset by their feet in this movie were freaking us out yeah they have a couple of sockless shoeless scenes which are very uh very jarring yeah just like their toes are just so far apart it just yeah. feels like when you blow like a um like a latex glove just blow a bunch of air into it yeah and inflated that's what their feet looked like it's bu <laughs> they're bulbous and they're weird <laughs> i mean this is a universe where like no one seems to be able to decide if they're a cat or a dog so you're gonna get some weird toes i don't know what to tell you <laughs> you're gonna get some weird toes i did i did appreciate you know it's all dogs or cats just you know different animals to a certain extent so why don't we make some of them hot? They said at Disney. <laughs> <laughs> Goofy Movie is a pioneering work in our acceptance of each other because it bridges the gap between furries and people who aren't furries. Because um, we can all agree that Roxanne is hot. <laughs> like, we can all agree that that's a sexy cartoon. Yeah, growing up, you know kind of realizing some stuff about yourself this like the roxanne jasmine sexual awakening era for my personal life was you know, 
they ushered me along into uh, a lot of self-realization. Congratulations on getting out of that without becoming a furry, by the way. I think that's usually the road people go down with those experiences. Yeah, the uh, Robin Hood uh, animated movie didn't help either. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Little surprised. John was pretty attractive in that movie. Wait, what? That's what I'm... I was talking to his, about Hiss, but... <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, man. Honestly, though, I do love this movie, and one of the reasons I criticized the third act so hard um, is because I think it was, like, on its way to becoming an absolute classic. Um, mm -hmm. They set it up really well. I love the art style. It's like classic Disney with an even bigger budget, and it all just looks smoother and cleaner. Um, they had some real great moments and really good story beats, and you see these cool cycles of Goofy going from like an overly trusting parent and seeing that that doesn't work to an overly controlling parent and seeing that that doesn't work either, um, and then finding ways to connect. And then this conflict comes to a head that they've really made me care about. Like, they've earned some emotion, and Max is lying to his dad about the road trip's direction, right? Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know about you, but I was actually invested in, like, how are they going to get out of this? And then they just sing what is easily the most boring song in the movie about how they they'd, wouldn't want to be with anyone else but the person they're with right now. And that's how we resolve it all. And then they somehow just get to the Powerline concert and get back, even though their car went off a cliff into the river. Oh, yeah. They they just... <laughs> Lest we forget. And all their stuff. They just pressed, like, emergency eject on the story. You know? <laughs> like, ran out of allotted time or something. Like, I, I I really don't like the way they wrapped this movie up, man. I think they, I, they, they were really heading for greatness, and then they just nosedive in the finale. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there because it it really feels like they pulled the shoot. And here's the thing. This is a 78-minute movie. Yeah. I think we, we paused it at one point, like, not too far into it. Because, like, uh, yeah, you know, whatever. Go grab a drink or whatever. Pause it. The timeline showed up and my wife was like, that's all that's left? Is this it? <laughs> this is yeah. a short-ass movie. I forgot it was this short. It didn't need to be. We could have fleshed out the third act a little bit. Well, yeah, it's it's so patient with the first and second act. Like, it really gives everything enough time to breathe, and that's what's so great about it. And then they just rush through the end. Like, I, I, they really could have benefited from going the full 90 minutes, I think. We don't usually ask for that. We appreciate a nice 75-minute movie from, from time to time in our watch list, but... Oh, absolutely. This one could have used about 10 to 15 more minutes. I really think so. Yeah. And, but, you know, again, at the end of the day, it is a kid's movie that is literally called a goofy movie. So, yeah. I, I, I think the existence of this movie is a little weird because, you know, we got the whole Disney past where, like, Mickey Mouse had his own movies and everything. And yeah. It's like, we chose the 90s to give goofy two movies which, which i find very interesting i mean it made it made it like doubled its money it, it did pretty well but well basically uh, disney went through this phase in the late 80s early 90s where they were like we've got all of these ips and we're kind of out of vogue now like they're they're for older people the kids don't really like them 
what do we do with these? And so then they're like, well, Baloo now owns a business. Um, <laughs> you know, like Baloo from Jungle Book and King Louie, they're business partners. And that one IP we created for Disney Christmas Carol that has some comic books, uh, he's the richest person in all of Duckburg. And fuck it, let's dust <laughs> off Goofy and Chippendale and Pete. And they all got their own their own series on on the disney channel and this is this is a continuation of that of that wave of of that direction of what are we going to do with all these old ips and that's why that's why i think this is a special movie because like despite all that like mindless branding which first of all all the shows i just referenced are great shows by the way um Mm. but second of all (laughs) this first of all has a lot of heart and the movie itself seems to have a unique identity with some personality to it. It seems like some actual honest-to-God creativity went into making a Goofy movie. You know, it's like Powerline is an iconic character that's really endearing and fun to watch. Like, no one had to do that. You know, like, we would never get something like this today because they're just so much lazier now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the... Uh disney plus series about donald's time in the navy <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah i guess i guess it's it's got to be really tricky to like modernize goofy yeah you know we gotta like make old disney ip cool for the kids let's just give him a kid <laughs> and have him skateboard and i was gonna say wait go till you see school. an extremely goofy movie it's goofy with edge for the kids to relate more, to. Ki- more kick flips <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah man uh, i don't have too much to say on this one uh, really? i have a note here that just says carl's butt caverns i thought that was very funny <laughs> um last thing i really got here is uh we referenced it last episode i think this is some of the best looking movie pizza we've yes. ever seen yes yes it's so simple man just three colors just make that cheese stretch beyond the physical limits of cheese there was one pizza place in mckinney texas that's now defunct called scoreboard pizza where i could stretch the cheese like they did in a goofy movie in ninja turtles and i loved it and my mom hated when i would do that (laughs) (laughs) danny stop it i was so amazed with it though it was so cool man Um, i'm envious I've got a few things to say about this because um, mm-hmm. Will, Will Reno and I, for some reason, spent like weeks talking about this in like 2018 after we watched it together, and I don't know why. Um, um, let's see here. In the 90s, they executed people for disrupting a school assembly. Do you remember that, Greg? It was very high stakes. You had to be very yeah. quiet in assemblies. <laughs> yeah. The um, yeah, the old lady with the puppets. Or, or a power team if you interrupted them ripping phone books in half they would take one of the power team members and they would <laughs> shoot you they wouldn't even rip you in half they'd rip your corpse <laughs> in half at the next assembly as a message yeah, you were a prop for the next school <laughs> um, that was such the fun. electric chair dramatic overkill that they're calling goofy and goofy's so suggestible that he's like my god my son's gonna be on death row because he did a prank <laughs> <laughs> i gotta change my approach with him goodness what did you think of goofy's parenting styles what like what did you take away from this exploration of how to parent in a goofy movie um 
you know, he's trying his best, man. He tries to be like the fun-loving parent that's just like not a care in the world, but he's realizing that there's nothing he can do to make his son think that he's actually cool. And yeah. that's kind of heartbreaking. Even as a kid, I'm like, just stop being such a dick to your dad, Max. Yeah. Please, just a little bit. He's trying his best here. Um, I think at the core of all of his approaches, like you mentioned earlier, at the at the very core of it, he's trying. He's genuinely yeah. trying, and I really like seeing that in a um, silly dog character. So, I, I do too, but I, I see his error, and I see it in a lot of parents where Goofy is trying, but really, like, what he's scared of, he's scared because he doesn't understand his son. Um, and so he tries to relate to his son in ways that he understands, and he's basically trying to force his son to enter his world so he can get a better grasp on, like, what's going on with my kid. This mm-hmm. is the problem. You, first of all, have to listen to your kids when you're trying to do something like this. Like, listen to their right. needs instead of telling them what is going to help them with their needs they haven't even identified yet. Two, you need to enter your kid's world. Um, don't expect your kid to enter your world. Um, you've got a Goofy needed to go in. And, like, and that's when you see things kind of get resolved is when Goofy jumps into Max's Powerline concert with him and finally understands what's important to Max instead of trying to force him to just straighten up, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, 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 That's what stuck with me this time is, like, the arc of Goofy trying to learn how to parent. Um, I, I thought was really well done, and you saw him try out those different techniques along the way, and, and I, I thought that was a, a smart pretty informed take on like how to connect with a child and what the what the hazards are along the way to that yeah this is unexpectedly deep film i i, I like that i'm sure you know i don't have anything i didn't okay. have a thought there i'm sorry <laughs> you're good i've got two more thoughts and then we can move on to the to the gimmicks um but these these need to be said um Hit me. one Oh, wait, three more thoughts. Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Um, I know. There's always one more. There's always one more. I feel like the the possum, uh, the possum park, Lester's Possum Park, or is it Chester mm. or Lester? I don't remember. Possum um, Posse Jamboree. It's Lester. Um, I think that that was meant to be Disney making fun of themselves with the country bears. Um, my note here says Possum Posse Jamboree is some country bears parody, and I'm not going to stand for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 not often that you see disney make fun of themselves or like acknowledge in publicly that something they do is old or lame but this was like definitely meant to to draw attention to like the country bears being for boomers <laughs> and the, as a as a country bears enthusiast on this podcast we we took offense to this didn't we greg <laughs> we sure did i docked several points <laughs> I mean, we say that this is a movie podcast, but really it's a feeling podcast. Both are wrong. This is a Country Bears podcast. Yeah, <laughs> That's I the feel main hurt. point of this. <laughs> um, I, uh, I thought it's always bothered me that <laughs> they think going to a pop concert is cooler than meeting Bigfoot. 
Like, that's what they brag about, is that they went to a pop concert <laughs> when they discovered incontestable proof that Bigfoot is real, and they tell no one. Bigfoot's just a device to chastise Goofy for his over-controlling parenting methods. <laughs> like, it's the universe punishing him for his sins. But I'm like, it's always bothered me that I'm like, they never talk about it with each other. They never go tell anyone what happened. They just fought Bigfoot <laughs> and lived. <laughs> and it's just, uh, well, crazy night on the road. Am I right? Anyway, moving on. Let's see a ball of yarn. <laughs> That uh, that actually brings me to another point. I would like to uh, read you the one-line Reno review for a Goofy movie. Yo, WTF was up with that Bigfoot segue that we literally got zero resolution from. Will and I have talked about this extensively. <laughs> like, I don't know Glad y'all are like, on the same page. We really, we really, like, I'm telling you, like, we watched it together, discussed it. And then several other times, like the next couple times we saw each other, we'd be like at a bar and be like, so anyway, I had another thought on a Goofy movie, you know, <laughs> just kept, like dissecting this movie. Um, and the, the last thing I really wanted to get into, because it's the theme of the episode uh, being self-acceptance, mm -hmm. Max gets gaslit by Roxanne in this movie. Um, she okay. said that she liked him the way he was. When she, like, literally didn't know he existed until he started performing as somebody else. Like, she like, did, she absolutely did not like him the way he was. Like, she gave him I every like reason to believe he needed to do this shit to impress her. He's been absolutely gaslit. I do appreciate that. I like you just the way I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> be yourself. Hold on, what? No, not like that. Sorry. More, sorry. When I said be yourself, I thought it would be something I liked more. <laughs> Good point. As much as we love Roxanne, it's a little bit problematic there, girl. Yeah, dude, she's a narcissistic abuser in the making. <laughs> what uh -oh. you gonna do about it? <laughs> I liked you the way you were. No, you fucking didn't, bitch. <laughs> Who am I? You don't know the answer. Uh, shall, shall we gimmick, Greg? We shall. All right, Denny. Just like every week, we got a new gimmick. Gimmick of the week. week. Denny, what is our gimmick of the week this week, Denny? Our gimmick of the week is the moment of most radical acceptance. Uh, the acceptance that you found the most radical uh, in, the, in the entire movie. And you can interpret that as you wish. Was it rad or did it hardcore embrace the nature of reality without judgment? You tell me. Um, Greg, what's your moment of most radical acceptance? This is a very big reach, but it stuck out, and I don't know why, and I don't think this really applies now that I'm saying it, but using the car cigarette lighter that you push in to heat up and pull yeah. out, a.k.a. the uh, curious kid lesson teacher from... <laughs> <laughs> if you were in a car built in the 80s or 90s, you know... You you learned some lessons with that shit, <laughs> and they used that to cook soup. I thought that was rad, and you know what? Put a little high dad in the soup. Yeah, I really like that. that Using a a, uh, a very dangerous tool to uh, <laughs> ultimately lead to something very sweet. God, Max, you got any more high dad soup? <laughs> 
I just felt the spirit of Goofy enter this podcast. <laughs> good lord, you're good. Yes, you do. Um, Thanks, man. I would go with what I've already touched on, um, that with mindfulness and without judgment, um, and without even a discussion, they simply accepted the fact that Bigfoot exists. Um, that is that is my moment <laughs> yes. of most radical acceptance in this movie, that they were simply able to accept this thing that disrupted their worldview and took it in stride, to be honest. I gotta, like, they just kept on trucking. Gotta give it to them. So that's my most radical acceptance moment. What's your favorite oh. line, Greg? Oh, sorry, Jeff. I like it. No, I was just saying I liked it. That was good. Uh, my favorite line comes from a little little guy named Bobby. Who's, mm-hmm. It's not his leaning tower of Chisa, as much as I do like that. But I think he's drinking a Slurpee or something. He just goes, mmm, Slurpage. <laughs> and it was... Not dissimilar to Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood. <laughs> um, I slurp your cheese whiz. I slurp it up. Yeah, if you replace Daniel Day-Lewis with Polly Shore, we've got a winning winning recipe there. So, <laughs> there we go. Mm, slurpage. What about you? Um, I'm going to go with a line I decided was my favorite line in the movie when I was probably younger than 10 years old, and it's... I'm gonna sit on my butt, <laughs> which I just—it always gets a pop out of me still uh, in the after today number, um, which is a, another great musical number in the movie. We didn't really talk about them or Powerline or how cool they are, but yeah, the bus drivers, <laughs> everyone talking about their cool plans for the summer, and he says, "I'm gonna sit on my butt." That makes me happy every time. We respect it. Yep. We identify with it. Give me a critic or score, Gregory. Uh, mine actually matched the predicted score and the Will Reno score. I gave this one a 23 out of 40. Mm. It's fine. It's fun. But, you know, it's, you know, at the end of the day, all the issues we had with the third act are, uh, valid. So. (laughs) I, I think I like the rest of it more than you do, so I have a little bit of a higher score. Um, 37, uh, out of 50. Um, okay. That's, you know little bit above average but i really think a stronger third act would have pushed it above 40 for me again in the genre of like kids and family movies um but yeah i i don't think they quite get there again like if they did less i could have accepted the ending but they actually did more they like sincerely made me care and i feel emotions every time i watch it um and then they just kind of piss it all away for you know just a quick ending i'm not a fan <laughs> sad sad yeah i I feel emotionally blue balled when i watch a goofy movie (laughs) sorry about that still waiting for that catharsis that release (laughs) an extremely goofy movie did not provide it don't even get me started (laughs) we'll cover that one at some point i'm sure we will cover every movie ever made at some point three at a time we'll get there eventually except you want to Oh, that's right. There we go. There's nine movies we don't have to do. Um, all right, you want to just go ahead and jump into some lessons here? Jump into class? Yeah, I'm good, man. Let's go to the School of Rock. All right, I'm going to take you to school. School of Rock. Hell yeah. This was my pick. This is a 2003 Richard Linklater movie. Uh, couldn't really find it anywhere. I had to do the Amazon Prime rental. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever had the DVD. I feel like maybe like a roommate had it at some point. But yeah, mm. I haven't seen this one in a hot minute. I think I watched it a few times in high school. 
and loved it because you know it's i was absolutely the target audience for it but uh you know haven't seen it maybe in 10 or so years so um it was nice it was a nice little revisit uh, had you seen this one before? I'm assuming you have. Oh, plenty of times, yeah. Um, I saw it in theaters, I know that. This is a very beloved millennial movie, so I've seen it, uh, I've seen it a lot. I have, I don't have any real unique stories or anything about it, but I will say, this was also the first time I'd watched it, and I would wager at least ten years, and, uh, I wasn't as high on it. I had to face some hard truths about School of Rock this time around, um, which we can get into after the synopsis yeah yeah i feel like i just oh, watched yeah, I guess... the life leave your eyes <laughs> i feel like i kind of breezed over that yeah um school of rock jack black plays dewey he is a rocker guitarist musician singer stage performer he's trying to make it big with his band uh they kick him the hell out because he's too damn annoying and embarrassing a little full of himself a little bit too much ego uh his roommate mr schneebly is out he's away there's a phone call that says hey we need a substitute teacher at this elementary school and it pays a shitload of money because it's a private school so mm -hmm. jack black pretends to be his roommate goes to the school just decides you know what we're gonna fuck off just go to recess i don't care what you do collecting paychecks to babysit a room full of kids that want to be challenged intellectually not a winning combo one day he sees them go to music class and realizes, hey, wait a second, we got some musicians on our hands here. Kids come back to class with a whole bunch of instruments, electric guitars, drum sets, keyboards, all that, and they form a band. And somehow Dewey tricks all the other teachers and the kids and their parents that there is a <laughs> battle of the bands that's actually a school project and it's not just him trying to one-up his old band members. Yeah. But, you know, along the way, learns to really love and appreciate and connect with the kids. So Kind of. <laughs> kind they of. They tell us he does. <laughs> they tell us he does. Interesting. <laughs> All right. So I guess my main thing about this movie... I mean, like, like I said, it came out when I was about 13. It was primed for that era. So I, I really liked this movie, but watching it now, I feel like this movie takes like 45 minutes too long to really get things going. Yes. It is a very weak um, first 45, 40 or 45 minutes or so. This did not need to be such a long movie. Like, holy mm -hmm. shit. <laughs> That's one of my biggest beefs with it. Um not only that, not only is it way too long, it asks me to feel good for that entire duration about something that is child abuse. <laughs> like, like as an adult, I'm like, I'm totally on the parent's side that there was like an unvetted, unauthorized imposter um, manipulating my kids into their own purposes instead of teaching them and educating them I'd be really fucking pissed. I'm not on Team Dewey. Um, he's a fucking... Like, this is awful, awful, awful stuff he's doing. And we're supposed to feel good about it for a really long time. And it's not presented as silly enough that, like, I can just Billy Madison hand wave it away. You know? Like, it's, it's mm -hmm. like... 
oh man it was this was hard for me to get through um one time he just runs away from the cops when they're trying to arrest him and it works and they like never come looking for him <laughs> he comes back to the school yeah. <laughs> it's just completely uh. a world without consequences which is not what they've set up um this is not a good movie i think there's only one thing that i really love about it and it's just jack black being hilarious because who couldn't enjoy that right like he's yeah. just but he, that's that's all there is to this movie is jack black being jack black <laughs> yeah and you know that's really the core of the movie is you know we've just got this charismatic guy having what seems like genuine fun with a bunch of kids like kid actors it seems like everybody's having a great time it's just like you get this very charismatic and like encouraging character just put him in a room with like 20 kids he just all wants them to be their best i mean that's not that's never going to be a bad movie it's never yeah. going to be a bad time especially when it's him so yeah i i agree with you on pretty much everything it's kind of weird being watching it like when i was a lot younger identifying even though they were younger than i was at the time like kind of identifying more with the kids like oh this yeah. would be kind of cool i guess um and then now being in my early 30s and now i find myself trying to identify more with the adults and having a much harder time for the reasons you just described yeah i mean like the people I relate to are all the antagonistic, fuddy-duddy, stick-in-the-mud characters, like the Sarah Silverman girlfriend character, and I'm like, what fucking woman told this author what he needed to hear? Which was that he needed to grow up and accept responsibility. And he was so upset by that that he had to make a whole movie trashing her. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, I was totally with her that I was like, Dewey is a fuck-up, and a toxic person, and a child abuser, and, like, he's living in a fucking fantasy world, um, mm -hmm. and acting like a fucking man-child the whole movie, and the movie's like, and we love it! Reward him for it! It's good! It's all wonderful! And I was like, no! Like... Consequences be damned! You're telling, like, you're telling me as an audience member that I'm the bad guy for being, like... You can't kidnap children and exploit them for monetary gain. Right. You can't stiff your roommate on rent. That's not okay. You should pay your rent. Like, you shouldn't fuck people over. You shouldn't lie. You shouldn't endanger helpless children. And you shouldn't lie. To, like, it's like, dude, if it's your kid and you find out, like, your kid has been, like, but by, by this completely unhinged crazy person has been supervising mm -hmm. them for weeks and they're telling you like <laughs> you shouldn't be mad you should just care about the music and it's like fuck you like i would be mad i would be horribly mad if that happened yeah it's like the parents were rightfully pissed off and then like saw them play music and suddenly everything's fine what the I was fuck like, is that this didn't track with how they were really coming across at all it's kind of strange <laughs> they this, didn't like... seem like people who could be won over with just one song <laughs> <laughs> well i guess they were uh they just didn't really live hardcore maybe that's true but yeah I, I i got similar vibes to the finale of the rehearsal <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah. when it comes to 
but this is more like intentionally manipulating children yeah <laughs> rather than oops accidentally confusing and traumatizing a poor young boy yeah <laughs> but it still felt kind of the same but this is treating it more lighthearted. it's tricky man it's tricky don't fuck with kids brains you know yeah so this was i don't know the 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 luster wore off when i took a clear-eyed look at it i I, if it again if it was a movie in a sillier world maybe that involves slightly older kids instead like there's something really creepy about him hanging around all of these like fifth graders to do this you know like yeah they're 10 (laughs) if it had been like seniors in high school maybe this would have been different and if, if you gave me a sillier world, older kids, and you got me in and out in 90 minutes, I think I could have been down with this. But this movie wanted to be heartfelt and wanted to, like, send you home with a little piece of meaning and maybe maybe a little more appreciation for rock and roll. And it's it's so fucking misguided that I, I get mad about it. I was like, you're fucking insulting me with your movie right now. Stop. <laughs> so yeah i I think in the back of my mind i was really just worried about like they're gonna be so behind on all their shit (laughs) imagine the makeup work (laughs) they're not gonna have they're not going to not take their tests later like we're behind (laughs) these kids didn't deserve that i don't know that's what that's you know that's where my brain goes (laughs) yeah it's it's basically just dead poet society but stupid (laughs) <laughs> is what this movie is grateful dead poet society Thank you, <laughs> nailed it absolutely nailed it absolutely <laughs> um i don't have too much left on this movie man do you got a you got much left here let me see i mean like i do think it's fair to acknowledge that it has a superficial charm um Again, that's largely just because Jack Black is so infectious and so contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig Widren did the movie for it. Uh, he also did the or the movie for it, the music for it. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> the, the, the he also <laughs> famously did the music for one of my favorite scores for a movie ever, Wet Hot American Summer. So I was excited oh, to see his name yeah. pop up. Um, <laughs> yes. There was... Oh, dude, the annoying adam sandler-ass trope of this implausibly uptight woman falling for a completely toxic fuck up who did one endearing thing and then she's like god i want to fuck this guy now that he did that one endearing thing not only that i'm going to change completely yes i'm surprised i feel like a lot of women i know really like this movie and i'm surprised because this movie is so fucking harsh and well, <laughs> like miserable towards women because it came out when we were teenagers i guess i don't know I don't so know. we we focus we focus more on the fun aspects of it that we, we remember when we were teenagers yeah and like the, the songs and the yeah. you're not gonna get in trouble i'm hungry <laughs> stealing sand he, he also stole a sandwich from that child yeah That's so mean. also how did the kids know where he lived when they go to get him on the bus they say like uh oh he's at his house we're go okay we're on our way and they just, just they have no way of knowing where his house is they just tell the bus driver take us to mr schneebly's house 
That's a good point. <laughs> the third act is just so annoying and lazy in those ways that I found it hard to get into. Yeah. Well, I guess you don't live hardcore. That's okay. I don't. I don't. So you're not hardcore. Do you, do you have any positives, Greg? Any positives to say about School of Rock, your pick? I, I mean, I, it's, it's enjoyable. We, we covered the Jack Black of it all. You know, I still think it's fun. You You talked about the lack of sincerity behind like encouraging the kids and everything like the you know the self-acceptance kind of moments you were saying feel kind of forced i think i was buying into them a little bit more than you were okay um but yeah i he just puts me in that mood i guess i want him to encourage me party on man yeah those those moments didn't strike me as sincere so i didn't get the emotional resonance that you did but if you did then rock on Hell yeah. All right, you ready to gimmick this one out? Um, I think I am. I think I am. Um, yeah, why not? Let's just gimmick it out. Let's let's call it a day on School of Rock. Shall we? Greg, All right. what is your moment of mm-hmm. most radical acceptance? Um, I think it is going to be our Asian student, the keyboard player, uh-huh. wearing his that big spiky hair at the concert at yeah. the end he he's very timid very reserved i also really like uh zach the guitar player but yeah those guys really coming out of their shows just like you know what i'm gonna just wear this loud outfit play this loud music and just kind of be myself it was cool and it helps yeah. that the songs are fun so yeah yeah it's good Ooh, to see him kind of cut loose Ooh, la, 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 if you want to be the teacher's pet. That's a good song. It is a good song. I like that song. What, what you got for uh, for your gimmick there, buddy? Um, Rad acceptance. I loved everyone building their confidence in themselves in a training montage. Um, that was a really nice part of the movie <laughs> for me. I'm a sucker for a good inspirational montage, and this movie had one where they're all just figuring out how to do their part in the band, and everybody's getting better and better, and really leaning into who they are as opposed to who they've been told to be um that montage did more for me than any of the dialogue about self-acceptance honestly so yeah i'll go with that glad we had it somewhere for you buddy Mm -hmm. all right what's your uh what's your favorite line here um i already kind of i already kind of stooged it off um it's something that uh one of i used to work at a camp and one of my co-counselors would always quote it so it's just endeared to me like it's one of those like hyper specific things that gets quoted a lot even though it doesn't need to be which is you're not gonna get in trouble i'm hungry (laughs) (laughs) that's that's uh that's probably my favorite line just because of the personal meaning it has to me i like it it's got a story to it yeah uh my runner-up i had uh the teacher or the principal telling jack black oh no there's no corporal punishment here Jack Black says, uh, "Okay, so just verbal abuse then." And uh, we <laughs> I settled wrote that on, one down. Yeah. We we settled on mental abuse, but uh, <laughs> my, my favorite line. Okay, here's the deal. I've got a hangover. Who here knows what that means? It means you're drunk. No, it means I was drunk yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Flawless delivery. 
I did uh I did find the banter really enjoyable at the part like the 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 negative Jack Black when he's just before he has the idea for the band I like the movie mm-hmm. a lot more when he's just trying to completely mail in being a substitute teacher to get six hundred dollars that's the, that's a really fun part of the movie for me can't even spell the last name of the man he's impersonating <laughs> yeah. so why don't you guys just call me Mr. S. <laughs> Not to mention that man is his, his best friend Roommate. for years. His best friend for like years. Go way back. He doesn't know how to spell his last name. <laughs> All right, Denny. What you got for a score on this bad boy? It breaks my heart, and I feel like a cynical asshole, but I had to fail it with a 28 out of 50. Um, unfortunately, I think there's more bathwater than baby with School of Rock. It does not stand the test of time, if you ask me. Uh, great great use of words there but thank you uh <laughs> i gave this one a 26 out of 40 i did get a lot of laughs but yeah at the end of the day i think we already laid out all our problems here this is gonna very, be very very much too long it took way too long to get going really this is gonna be a controversial segment because i guarantee most of our listeners like love this movie <laughs> they're not gonna love that we were harsh on it <laughs> i don't i don't want to stop them from loving it no I just not at say all what i think yeah and if you asked if me you before it, I rewatched yeah. it, is it good? I would have been like, oh, man, talk about your 2000s movies. But upon a rewatch, <laughs> after having some space from it, I had some issues with it. Totally valid. Look at us. So anyway, Greg, I really wanted to tell you about this very interesting anecdote of the time I saw Jack Black in a restaurant in Austin. And, well, it all started when me, Colby, Troy, and Willis were sitting in my car... And we saw this chubby yet physical man in a three-wolf moon shirt walking towards the oh, car. Oh, and the legend of the edit was Wayseem Lass. Oh, not everyone's going to get to hear my amazing story. The good news is we've already done it. So <laughs> and if you've hung if out you with re- me, I've probably told it to you. <laughs> if you remember which episode it was... Go back and listen to it. It's the Pulp Fiction q and I, I, I remember oh, every time nice. I tell it. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, we're, clearly we're here to change gears significantly. We're going to be talking about The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Yay. A 2012 film that you can watch on HBO Max. Thank goodness. We do love HBO Max here. Finally. Hold on, let me let Finally. She decided she wants to come back in. No, she didn't. Eleven is going to be joining the show. No, nah, she's not. Or is she? Eleven? You coming in, girl? I just want... Come on, baby. She just wants to stand in the doorway. Yeah, there she is. Eleven is with us now. Eleven the dog. The most wonderful puppy in the world. Except Anton. He's tied. Good to have a tie. Um, Yeah, you want to... Just jump into this was your pick, so I'll yes. let you summarize it, and then you can kind of jump into how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the perks of being a wallflower follows our protagonist Charlie, who has recently experienced a suicide, as he goes on his journey to recover his repressed trauma and find himself and reconnect with other humans. Um, he doesn't really fit in, has a lot of social anxiety in high school meets um meets the flash who turned out to be an abusive person and uh hermione granger he also meets her um no but he finds acceptance amongst the weird kids um they're older than him he has some role models uh but then he becomes a little hyper dependent on this acceptance 
um, and is devastated when they have a falling out and then once again when they move away. Um, and he is uh, slowly reminded not just of the trauma of losing his best friend, but of his uh, aunts who he loved, sexual abuse of him, um, that starts to get triggered as he becomes a more sexual person. Um, he goes to the mental hospital and receives support and love from his family and friends, and he finally feels infinite uh, as he listens to David Bowie going down a tunnel. Um, Hell yeah. I saw this movie in theaters. I really, I was really into dramedies like this, which I don't know. I don't know if you'd call this a dramedy, but it hit that. Yeah, I, it leans more drama with funny moments. Yeah, but very, yeah. very slice of life, you know, like and uh, mm -hmm. and so I saw this in theaters, and I came out of the theater and said to my friends that I saw it with, <laughs> I was probably twenty two or twenty three, and I was like, man, guys. Wouldn't it be? I was 20, 2011, so I would have been twenty one. I was young. Um, it's a twenty. It's a twenty twelve movie. Okay, I was twenty two. Yeah. Then. Um, not that it matters doing the old man thing, <laughs> but there he goes again. Um, I was like, wouldn't it be so cool if you could just like take a couple weeks, check into a quality mental hospital, and just work on your shit? And they were all like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I want to go to the mental hospital? And I was like, <laughs> me neither. Uh, <laughs> and that's uh, that was legitimately the first inkling of me realizing that I was dealing with mental illness. Um, this movie was probably the thing in in my earliest memory of uh, just what made me feel okay with being mentally ill and getting help. Um, I related to it so powerfully that I actually read the book. Um, the book is really good, and this is also written and directed by the author of the book. So anything yeah. that uh, was changed, you can know that the author was okay with it. When else do you get that? Um, perfect scenario. Um, and I used to watch this all the time because it would comfort me. And then randomly, like five or six years ago, I got really fucking triggered when I watched it. And I've been scared to watch it ever since. And this was my first time in a couple of years seeing it. And oh, wow. it was really good. And I didn't get triggered because I already was. Uh, I had some stuff going on that day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's my relationship with Perks. What about you, Greg? Wow. Uh, mine's much less deep, but I I did see this movie when it was pretty new. I didn't see it in theaters. Um, a lot of friends that I was hanging out with at the time, like, they really loved the book. So they were all about this movie. So I watched it a few times uh, when it had come out. I don't think I've seen it in, like, maybe six or seven years. Um, I haven't read the book, but I, I really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was, you know, I, I watched it at a time when I was years out of high school mm -hmm. it was long in the rearview mirror but it was still very easy to connect to the character of charlie you know i haven't dealt with the things that he has but he's a very relatable character that i really enjoyed watching uh you know kind of that wallflower sort of personality or just like the way life goes for you in high school is i kind of related to that mm -hmm. aspect of it more kind of falling in with the with the weirder kids, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But I think this movie is pretty realistic in that, like, 
sometimes the football players are coming to the weird kids parties too yeah. like it's yeah. not just it, it's not, it's not so sectioned yeah it's not all sectioned off of like who's allowed to hang out with who mm-hmm. and charlie even says it at one point he's like yeah, brad's here or whatever the football player's name in but he's mm-hmm. a popular kid I'm like, no, he just he comes yeah. over here sometimes what to does party. that make like, us right is what they say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cool yeah uh more realistically being a wallflower is you're you're friends with the majority of people and you absolutely re- misread girls flirting with you and you just maintain your virginity through high school without even trying yeah um <laughs> it was easy to wait rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> they prepared me for the temptation of premarital sex like that was actually gonna happen idiots what a waste <laughs> of preparation <laughs> turns out the trick was to uh just like this and 500 days of summer just tell a girl that you're into smiths that seems to be the key that's all you gotta do god have i talked about how much i hate the smiths you have yeah i don't know what to do because i want to keep living in denton but i also never want to hear the smiths again and i don't think i can do both (laughs) like (laughs) they're everywhere man i fucking hate that band (laughs) you just gotta stay inside i guess i do Um, i do a lot <laughs> no like permanently uh, <laughs> dude that's like when the when i the first time i heard running's bad for your knees i was like cool i don't need to fact check that i'll never do it again <laughs> i wouldn't want to damage my knees <laughs> god forbid i do something to my knees oh man <laughs> um i just i kind of had to have a weird this movie feels weird to me. Yeah. I think it's just the way it's lift it's lit. It just feels like everything has a really soft glow yeah. to it. It's it's strange. It's kind of like this warm and inviting kind of texture yeah. to like visually how it how it how it feels. But like at the same time, like looking back on it, like it kind of softens some of the more dramatic moments to you know carry that same term over it's it's a very weird choice to see paul rudd absolutely glowing but yeah i it's a stylistic choice and i don't i don't want to hate on him for using it but yeah it kind of mixes up some feelings for me i guess see i actually had it's a a minor thing yeah well i had a note about that that i thought that the the choice to soften everything and give it kind of that yellowish aura that mixed mm-hmm. with the really gentle score really helped me in moments of tenderness with the movie. And I thought those were things that worked together really well instead of uh, instead of created this disjointedness that you experience. So it's just interesting that we can yeah. have two different takes on the same exact thing. It, it's weird that it's like, while I'm watching it, I feel the same way you do. It does really open you up for like the more tender moments. But like thinking back, I'm just like, it's really weird that it was that soft. It's not so much of an issue while i'm watching it it's more like while i'm remembering yeah. it or thinking about it i i think it's something that helps me feel like th- this movie for me watching it feels like putting my head on the sternum of someone i love and trust and just crying for a little bit while i'm held that's what watching this mm-hmm. movie's like and so i think that's something that helps me feel that way you know like the the softness of it all like i'm getting just a warm supportive embrace from a from a caring person while i'm watching it but i can also see the other side of it for sure 
Yeah, as as long as the per I really like that. That's that's a very good feeling to have. I'm glad you get that Thanks, out of buddy. it. Um, as long as the person you're embracing is really trying their best to suppress a British accent. <laughs> uh, I thought she did all right. She did all right. There's there's way worse British actors trying to do American um, accents, but some stuff does stick out. <laughs> yeah. I, I I thought it. Uh, Oh my gosh, Emma Watts, Emma Watson. Hermione is Almost her actual name. Yeah. Oh, my mistake. I was gonna say Emma Thompson. Who's that? That's another actor. Yeah, exactly. That's. I was like, uh oh, hold on. I better not. I better double check this. Uh, yeah, I thought she was good in this movie. I thought she really had like the, the look of a, late '90s high school senior. Yeah. She just perpetually looks. Like, like a senior 17 in high or 18. Yeah. yeah she's. <laughs> Exactly. She's had like a decade of looking like a senior in high school. Yeah. So might as well get the most out of it. Yeah. It was a rare occasion of like when I saw this movie, I definitely knew she was too old to be playing the role. But that has never once bothered me because they just they captured that aura perfectly with her. And her, her looking a little younger definitely lends itself to that. But it's like I see her in interviews where she looks like an adult. You know, she doesn't look like Nancy from Stranger Things to me. You know, like I, I thought mm -hmm. they... They really hit a sweet spot of, like, someone who was old enough to, like, capture the complexity of the role, but young enough looking that if you dress her kind of like a high schooler, you won't ask questions, you know? Yeah. Just cut the hair short, put a headband on, and put a letter jacket on her, yeah. and she's good to go. Honestly, Mae Whitman, too, and Ezra. Ezra might have been, like, high school age at the time they shot this, but, like, Mae Whitman... So this is the first thing... Oh, yeah, Mae Whitman. And from Arrested Development, her. Um, I mean, maybe for her, it's being short that helps with it, you know. <laughs> like, um, but to me, again, definitely knew she was too old for the role and never questioned it throughout the whole movie. Yeah, it, it's it actually kind of benefits, like, because you know the Charlie, uh, the lead the lead character, he's supposed to be a freshman and they're seniors, so yeah. them feeling a little bit older kind of helps sell. Mm -hmm the character and dynamic and like the age difference between everybody yeah. so i, I don't say, i don't sorry go ahead I, yeah i don't i don't dock any points mentally for that at all i think it also helps too because like charlie doesn't look like a fresh out of middle school freshman you know like he mm -mm. he looks about like a senior and it might help with him belonging too that it's like they surrounded him by people who look a little bit older too um, but none of them were yeah, too sure. old for high school, but Charlie could have looked a little bit younger, you know, <laughs> like for, for what he's supposed to be, what, 14? Is that, is that how old you are when you start freshman year? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He could have looked um, a little younger, but again, none of this is jarring. And like, unless you're in one of those special Bo Burnham movies where they get actual child actors to, who are really good at acting you know that if you're watching a movie about high schoolers it's they're, they're gonna look a little older than actual high schoolers it just kind of comes with the territory yeah exactly um yeah i wanted to one more note on the realism of this movie you know charlie's got two older siblings an older sister and an older brother the older brother is playing football in uh in college and he comes home for Christmas, and he's not a dickhead to his little brother. I think mm -hmm. they have a good and cool relationship, yeah. despite having, like, very few, like, um, similar interests. 
but he still just loves his brother. And yeah, normally, yeah. I feel like in a movie you would normally see like older older brother football thinks older football brother thinks his little brother's a pussy for not being in sports and yeah. that kind of thing. And he just he asks him about the stuff he's doing. You know, how is it? How is high school? How is what's your favorite class? All that stuff. He's like trying yeah. to talk to him have I, I just i don't know i love their relationship as brief as a look as we get into it yeah and i i think that's something the movie does really well is capture charlie's family um as as an average family who's not particularly informed or good at raising kids but they're mm -hmm. also not bad at it and everybody does sincerely love each other you know you've got dad and mom are a little emotionally unavailable um but yeah but but they want like you know it's the like when he asks his dad for money for the christmas presents and he asks his dad for 30 then his dad tries to talk him down to 10 and then he tells him like i really want to get all my friends christmas presents and he's like here's 50 you know like like yeah. wants wants to have those moments for his kid and then at the end when like uh Joan cusack shows up for 10 minutes at the end of the movie and tells his parents mm -hmm. that he was sexually abused and dad who's just been kind of a stoic sitcom dad gives him a hug and kisses him on the forehead you know like they showed a a, a non-abusive but a little bit emotionally stunted family you know and, and it's like yeah if you're a little emotionally stunted an acceptable level of emotionally stunted and your kid needs a high level of emotional support like charlie does Mm -hmm. that's going to be a problem you're going to have to learn about right and they show the family being willing to learn and and they all seem to to have an awareness that like you need to be tender with charlie you know you need to be a little more gentle with him they he's a good kid he's had some really hard times we're not ever going to talk about it but we're going to be kind to him right like that's kind of the vibe yeah and i really like that vibe yeah what it, i i really like the family Dylan McDonough does a good job as the dad. Mm -hmm. So is his name Dylan McDonut? It's McDermott, but I call oh, him McDermott. McDonut. Um, <laughs> I was like, he doesn't look silly enough to have a name like McDonut. <laughs> I started calling him that, and then I think in like the second season of American Horror Story, at one point he does eat a donut, and I felt so vindicated. It happened. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> um yeah shout out to joan cusack the accidental double feature here yeah we got her in <laughs> we got her in two movies i was like oh right shit look at us i love when that happens a, on movies for when i don't think it could ever top the uh double feature of brad pitt standing in front of the Capitol records building in la that we got from the dudes rock episode yeah. <laughs> same actor same building same episode it was pretty awesome. Totally serendipitous, too. We didn't plan it. <laughs> That's just how naturally good we are. We're professionals here. Yep. But, man, <sighs> is, is like, there's two things I wanted to talk about that this movie does really well. Um, mm -hmm. One is the representation of, of trauma. Like, especially for something that's based off a book that was written before trauma was in vogue. Um, and this was ahead of the curve in terms of, like, culture acknowledging mental illness and talking about trauma in 2012 we were still a couple mm -hmm. years away from doing that then i can't remember what happened in 2016 but it just seemed like we couldn't avoid it anymore we all had to talk about it uh, <laughs> something yeah. went down that year anyway um <laughs> can't imagine what it could be um but yeah man like 
between the like the flashbacks the numbness the repression um and ultimately that understanding that like trauma cuts us off um from connecting with other people because we feel so unsafe all the time and the further i'm getting into i I used to think that this movie kind of taught people to over rely on their friends you know i was like yeah you look charlie put a lot of pressure on his friends to be everything and look how that worked out for him you know like Mm you but the more i'm learning and the more i'm healing in my own trauma recovery um man you need to learn how to feel safe around people again you need to learn how to attune to other people you know like to to match their emotions to use people to help you regulate um this just came across as someone who again i'm not just a therapy provider i'm also the best customer um like the hair club for men guy (laughs) i'll probably be a customer of that soon anyways um it it just got it and it got it in a way that wasn't preachy or wasn't like edutainment-y you know it, it didn't come across as a very special episode you know like it just it, it, right. i felt like it got the full picture and i think that's why it was so seminal in me like there was just something about this movie before i had any idea what trauma was what my own level of mental illness was that was all outside my awareness there was mm-hmm. something that I just like related to in this and was like, I need to watch this over and over and I need to read the book that it's based on. But it just was what I felt like was the first welcome discussion of like something I'd been living with my whole life um, that I didn't know I was living with, you know, and it was like the movie was saying like, hey, I can see this in you come talk to me about it you know like it's safe to acknowledge this now um i don't know man i I really really love it for that man that's beautiful that's awesome i don't know that i'd be Uh, a therapist if i never saw this straight up hmm. that's how much of an impact this movie made on me i love to hear it I i don't know if i've had i have like a movie that you know affected my life this much as it as much as this one did for you so yeah i i do feel a lot of emotional connection to this movie there's something about heroes playing in the uh in the truck when they go through the tunnel mm-hmm. that song anyways just by itself that song just gives you chills yeah i fucking love it oh. but yeah wait till you see attached rouge <laughs> oh boy i love that movie maybe i will you're gonna hate it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when it's when it's attached to these characters and then like the emotions and like the things they're going through in those moments, it's wow. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Dude. No no real follow up there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's again that cheesy a line that should be cheesy, we are infinite, right? Like that should be mm-hmm. cheesy to end a movie and they just create a moment where I'm like, Yeah, if I was standing on the back of the truck listening to Heroes by David Bowie with the two people I love most in the world, I would feel infinite if I were doing that. Like I would just, you Mm. can almost feel the rush while you're watching it. Um, Such a huge fan. Uh, Something else I did want to get into was adaptation. It's hard. Um, I don't think there's any other movie like this where um, the, the author of the book was the writer and director of the movie. Um, 
and also had experience in adapting. I think he adapted Rent um, for from the stage to oh, to I didn't know that. Yeah, so he was like, this was a perfect situation, and I actually read the book, so I wanted to talk about some of the differences. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm amazed that they got a whole movie out of this. Because the book's not a typical narrative; it's just Charlie's Charlie's letters. Yeah, um, his diary, letter style diary yeah, that he's kind of keeping. Dear friend, yeah. um, that's all it is. You just get his letters. Um, his his family members don't even have names in the book. Um, that's mm-hmm. how like unfleshed out a lot of it is. Um, and for them to breathe life into this was pretty cool. Um, something that kind of sucks is like. In the book, their relationship with Paul Rudd, the teacher, is is a much, much bigger deal. Um, it doesn't really need to be in the movie. It, it's, it serves to, like, accentuate hmm. a theme that's already happening with his friends, which is you need to participate more instead of just pleasing people. Um, I The teacher stuff, it was just kind of there in the movie. Honestly, it seemed like to freshen up the scene. So it's not just him hanging out with his friends over and over and over again. Um, yeah. Maybe Paul Rudd was too expensive. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, but the biggest change, which I thought was funny that the author would change is in the book. They play, um, they play a different song in the tunnel. It's not heroes. Um, Mm. it's landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Um, Oh yeah! Damn, another another fucking banger. Yeah, and Hell uh, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Chbosky, uh thought that Heroes would play better on film and that Landslide would work better when you imagined it. So I just thought those were interesting mm-hmm. little tidbits. Um, I would I would agree with that. I think that's a good decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting though. Well, I wanted to ask you because this is this is a discussion question in general. Um, mm-hmm. Who do you think Charlie was writing to? Who's dear friend? Um, I don't know. I I always kind of thought of it as just like, you know, he's very interested in reading. He kind of he I, he mentions he wants to be a writer at some point, right? Yeah. I think he just he wants to keep a diary to kind of keep thoughts straight in his head, but he doesn't want to just hear his own voice if that makes any sense he doesn't want to write to himself he wants to maybe reach out and feel like he's communicating with somebody so he just does the friend yeah so it feels like he's talking to somebody um maybe you could interpret it as being uh to his aunt but i'm not i'm not sure that that really would connect very well so i would say it's just like I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's anybody. I think it's just his idea of a reader, whoever reads it. That's honestly, that's where I landed too, is I'm like, friend is you. He's writing to you. Mm-hmm. You're reading the letters. You know, like that's, he wants to know that I'm there's someone friend. like you out there who would accept him. Um, and yeah, I don't know. That's always been powerful to me. Yeah, it's it's easier to... <laughs> read something that feels like it's written for you than you know just someone's diary oh dude when he's yeah and when he's when you're watching it i think it definitely just seems like he's writing therapy letters you know like they don't seem like they're sent to the audience but 
reading it, that's all you have to go off of. You just have his letters. You don't get any sort of like narrative or anything like that. Um, you just get letter after letter after letter, and it really feels like it's written to you that he's trying to tell you about all this stuff that you're his non-judgmental friend that he's sharing his life with. Hell yeah. I'm glad we landed on the on the same place there. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I don't read a lot of books and that was one of them that I was like I've got to I need more of this. So I I will mm-hmm. say I used to really overrate this movie because it was so significant to me. I still rate it highly, but as far as just if I took away the personal significance, it's a really good movie. You know, like it's not like one of yeah. it's not like one of the best ones ever made or anything like that. It's not one for the ages. Yeah. 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 But it's it's really good. I like it a lot, but it's not in that upper upper echelon like I used to put it. I think I was it just meant so much to me. And I also at the time that I saw it, I hadn't seen a lot of movies that seemed to authentically address the human condition. And now that I've seen more of those, I'm like, oh, it's been done better in, like, The Master, you know? <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this one is a very, very accessible, very Hollywood, um, very linear examination of the human experience. And I, I think that has its limits when you're, the human experience is so complex that it doesn't fit linearly into a neat little narrative, you know? And I, I think mm-hmm. movies like a serious man kind of capture that a little bit better for me as I, as I've seen more stuff. Um, <laughs> but when I first saw this, it was something that really took me deeper in my understanding of myself. And I'll always appreciate it for that reason. Hell yeah, man. I, I yeah, I love everything you just said. So Thanks buddy. I used to have a quote um, from it on my wall in my office that a friend gave me in a secret Santa. Oh, like in that's the movie. Cool. Just like the movie. Uh, you ready to get into some gimmicks there, bud? I think I can gimmick it up, Gregory. I think I'm ready. All right. What is your uh, favorite moment of radical acceptance for Perks of Being a Wallflower? Um, I always love the character Patrick uh, celebrating with enthusiasm that he got a C- and screaming, I'm below average! <laughs> that's, that's, that's a man who's accepted himself right there. That's the most radical moment of acceptance for me. I really like it. I love the uh, negotiation tactics in, in that scene, too, with the woodshop teacher. <laughs> You got to be kidding me. If you fail me, you're going to get me again next semester. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, my favorite is when, um, you know, he's kind of, Charlie's kind of talking about Sam and just kind of introducing her character, her reputation. Mm-hmm. He's just, he just says, like, I don't, I don't judge her for who she was. And I, because I would hate for someone to make some assumptions about me based on who I was. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it, it was like, part of accepting yourself is you know realizing you need to accept another person for the way they are because you know you would want the same to be done for you. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of not really a self acceptance moment, but is accepting of others that kind of leads to a more um, self, a better self acceptance for yourself too. Because you know, you might be hard on yourself, but at least this person isn't judging me, so I'm not going to judge them either. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I mean, that's how it happens, right? Like, 
we need someone to accept us before we're really ready to accept others, right? It shows us how powerful it is to not be judged and to just be welcomed, right? And then we're like, well, I want to give mm-hmm. that to other people. I don't want anyone to feel judged <laughs> by me, right? That felt so good. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe I also shouldn't judge me. Hmm. There <laughs> Yay, we go. that's the deeper level. I knew you'd become a therapist today, Greg. I knew I've you made it. it. I, I, I took your license, so i got to fill these roles. Hell yeah. Uh, I've got a caseload for you. Um, they're going to love you. Uh-oh. You're going to need to wear a beard at first. Um, um, uh-oh. Am I going to have to wear glasses like some dork? Forget it. It would be really you have funny it back. if you were like, yeah, I'm Denny Taylor LPC. I've recently shaved and gotten a haircut. No one's ever seen my face before, so that's why it seems different. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I look like when I shave. Um, Denny, what's your favorite line? Um, I'll give a runner-up to the most iconic line of the movie that's iconic for a reason. We accept the love we think we deserve from Sir Paul Rudd, knighted by the late Queen Elizabeth. Um, But I'm going to go with uh, Emma Watson's line. Um, You can't just sit there and put everybody's life ahead of yours and think that counts as love. Um, Mm -hmm. That's such a powerful, powerful truth to me. Um, that is someone who has a tendency to be really pleasing is someone who has a lot of trouble being authentic at times um, to say like man you are wrong if you think that's loving people if you think just removing yourself from the equation is what love is you are so wrong Um, and that's yeah it's something I remind people of in therapy a lot that I'm like hey selfishness is not caring about yourself selfishness is caring about only yourself right like you can care about yourself and care about others at the same time that's not selfish right um yeah you can care about both that's healthy <laughs> exactly yeah i i like that line out uh, i like that line a lot it really stood out for me yeah. too um i've kind of got a reverse here for runner-up and favorite i had a runner-up from Sam, and it's when she said, "All this high school drama has got me right chuffed, mate." Uh, I thought it was really weird that they put that in the movie. Up <laughs> oh, the apple and pears, Bob's your uncle," she said to Charlie. <laughs> I don't judge her for who she was, British. Um, <laughs> But uh, my favorite line was your runner-up. It was, we accept the love we think we deserve. It's such a good line. What did you like about it? Let's dwell on this for a moment. Um, You know, it's it's just such a solid... I don't know. It's it's just solid. You you really think about it, and, you know, where you put your self-worth is, you know, it affects your perception of how others see you. And, you know, you're going to reach out to groups or friendships or relationships. You're going to seek the ones out that you think best fit you and your perception of what you think you earn. So it's, you know, what I think of the line is exactly what the line says, basically. I think there's a lot of truth to it. And it was a and it also was a very pivotal line for the for the characters and then that part in the movie so good shit love it could i give a favorite line from the book it's the one that my friend gave me that was on my wall for so long sure it's uh 
We are who we are for a lot of reasons, and we'll probably never know all of them, but we can still do things and we can try to feel okay about them. And I think that's just such good marching orders for life. <laughs> like, and especially mm-hmm. for someone in therapy, you know, like, hey, we could sit here and try to figure out exactly why you are the way you are forever, and we'll probably never figure out all of it because it's just it's a lot right like what shaped you but what's important is that we try to feel okay about what we're doing in life we don't have to let those things that shaped us rob us of our life um yeah love this movie love this book crazy big fan got me feeling all reverent and sentimental now hell yeah dude what what did you uh oh yeah what'd you rate it what'd you get what's the score my guy um 42 out of 50 um, the reason it gets such a high score, despite, like, I think if you take away the emotional context, uh, you can just kind of say it's a really solid coming-of-age movie, but I think it, I rank things by genre, and I think this does something that most coming-of-age movies don't really do, which is, this is a movie that's a coming-of-age movie for mentally ill people, um, and if that's you, your high school memories are not going to be just a bunch of rose-tinted, running around, waiting to go to the next drive-in movie theater or whatever the kids were bopping to those days. Um, right. Your coming of age is going to be you realizing how fucked up you are. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully finding some support in that. Um, this was kind of like a story of an ideal life, um, a prototype even, of if you've experienced childhood trauma this is what I would hope your life looks like in high school. Um, I hope that when it affects you powerfully, you're supported. Um, and that's the best you could really ask for. Hell yeah, man. What about you? Uh, I gave this one a 32 out of 40. Uh, I had it at a 31. I felt like that wasn't enough. So I bumped it up to a 32 Mm -hmm. again, just good, solid movie. I liked all the performances. I liked, pretty much everything about it so um very strong very solid movie hell yeah that i can't wait to watch again so greg what's the best movie for when you want to accept yourself oh man that's a tough one i think it's gonna be the perks of being a wallflower hell yeah that's my that's my pick i think it is better than the other two in terms of self-acceptance uh and i think it's a little bit more relatable because we are not dogs and we are not 10 year olds (laughs) so um same question same answer same reasons Um, i'll give it to greg very nice i saw school of rock in a goofy movie a ton of times and they never really helped me accept myself anymore but perks that was that was a seed that grew within me, man. It really did. It helped me accept who I am and what I'm dealing with and learn to be more honest about it and stop keeping secrets from myself about how I feel. It's, it's a really powerful movie for me. Nice. I love it. All right. Now the big question, Denny. What the heck are we doing next week? Well, next week we're going to start... Well, I'd say we're officially starting spooky season, but we want a little more of a uh, a transition, a, a seamless edit, if you will, uh, hmm. into spooky season. So we didn't want to come out the gate swinging, because it is still September, with just a whole bunch of horror, horror, horror. So we are going to do next week 
some thrillers with movies for when you want thrills not chills is the uh, wait what is it is that did i say it right no that's right thrills not yeah, chills you got it. so when you're looking more for a thriller than a scary monster um that's going to be our official start to spooky season with uh we're just we're going to lube it up a little bit for you you know help you enter a little more mm. a little more smoothly um I have chosen Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. Greg, what do you have? Dude, this is going to be such a good fucking episode. Um, I selected what I consider to be the perfect thriller. It is also kind of a survivor horror movie. It is Green Room. Oh, I've been meaning to see this forever. It's fucking great. I love that movie so much. I've been wanting to do it on the show for a while, and um, Thrills Not Chills felt like the perfect place for it. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and then the, th the third movie is going to be up to uh, you guys. We'll be soliciting audience. some audience picks, and I'm sure you guys will come exactly. up with great thrillers. And <sighs> do we want to rule out seven? Because everyone's going to tell us to do seven. I don't. I don't see why not. Okay, we can. We'll accept the suggestion of seven. If if it wins, it wins. There you go. Um, but yeah, you guys can send suggestions, vote on the poll that eventually comes out. If you find us on Facebook, looking for Movies for When, or you can follow on Twitter and Instagram at Movies for When. While you're on the internet thinking about us, just uh, give us a rating on the old Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever the hell you are. Five stars preferred, but you know, it's up to you. <laughs> and uh, we just finished recording our first ever patreon episode Woo! so consider sub wow whoa shit consider subscribing to that i think it's going to be a good a good time as we uh, kind of flesh out the uh, the patreon shows sorry i got you so hop on board <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're starting spooky getting ready. season yeah we're gonna kick off spooky season with something really special next week yes, so we are. get ready get ready for next week we got a a, a little surprise tucked up our sleeves so something the vibe the vibe is going to be improved quite a bit yeah we're going to be setting the mood very well there <laughs> all right denny uh, we've accepted ourselves man we've come of age now we just need to really look at ourselves and decide am i really worthy of a catchphrase well for Greg Work, the goofy did nothing wrong apologist Johnson. Oh, jeez. I was going to say the goofy impersonator, but I had to sex it up a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. I'm Denny, the childhood trauma survivor Taylor. And this has cool. been Movies for When. We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my cage again? I'm a policeman. See my badge? <laughs> <laughs> Just like him!